Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Well, PowerPoints, our PowerPoint study has simply been this. We, we came out of a study that I had been teaching you uh, about the Holy Spirit simply entitled Perfect Power for Imperfect People. How many are thankful that God still works with imperfect people? You say amen to that. How many are thankful that we receive the Holy Spirit in our life, not because we deserve it, but because we need it? We need Him. Someone say, I need Him. Yeah, this Christian life is not designed to be a ritual. It's a relationship that works through the person of the Holy Spirit making Jesus real to us. So we, we were walking through that perfect power for imperfect people. But the next step in looking at that, I want us to continue in that same vein, these PowerPoints. What are PowerPoints? Well, as I was making the study uh, for perfect power for imperfect people, I kept noticing the Holy Spirit kept drawing my attention to these moments, these encounters where ordinary people doing very ordinary things would have a sudden encounter with God, a PowerPoint. People just going through the business of life would walk into a PowerPoint, walk into an encounter with God. It's very encouraging. I want to tell you today, God has some PowerPoints with your name on them. Your future is dotted with encounters with God. Now, we serve Him every day, and this is the thing I want you to see. Your daily faithfulness, understanding every day is not sensational, but every day is important. How many can say amen to that? See, faithfulness matters to God. And so we, we saw these moments where Elisha was just out plowing, and Elijah walked up and laid that mantle on him, just ordinary plowing. Rebecca was just drawing water out of the well when favor came and found her. To be the wife of the great man of God. And then we, we find uh, today we're going to look at David. David just out watching sheep. He wasn't doing something that, that we might call uncommon. He wasn't doing something that we think is sensational. Nobody knew who he was. Nobody paid him much attention. But God had a moment planned for him. He was being faithful where he was. Let me encourage you today. You may be walking through a grind, G-R-I-N-D, a grind season in your life. Anybody ever have a grind season where you just had to stay on board? Anybody ever have a day where you just put your head down and grind? Come on. Sometimes that's faith. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's faith. It didn't happen yet, but I'm grinding. Didn't happen yet today, but I'm serving. Didn't happen yet today, but I'm trusting. Anybody ever had those times in your life? I'm going to tell you, those days are going to be rewarded in your life. So be faithful to the Lord. So, so here we have, we're going to look at David today. Now, David is one of the greatest leaders that we read in the history of mankind. Not just scripture, but in the history of mankind. An incredible leader, a unique man. There were these two qualities in his life that we often disassociate in our culture today. Men, I want you to hear me. There was this, this quality, these, this uh, man he was that a lot of guys are trying to get their head around. David was probably one of the greatest worshipers you'll ever read about in Scripture. David was a man who said, you know, even though I'm a king, I would rather spend one day in the house of God than a thousand days anywhere else. David was a man who sat on a gold-encrusted throne with a bejeweled crown. And I don't mean the kind that little kids make, that kind of bejeweled. Anybody old enough to remember bejeweled stuff? 
Okay, well, you may not. I have two daughters. They bejeweled everything. You remember the bejeweled stuff you would do? I used to hide my Bible because I was afraid I was going to come to church and open it up and, and be bejeweled in front of everyone. So David had all of this, and he said, nothing compares to the presence of God. David was a worshiper. David was a man who sought the heart of God. And yet, he was one of the greatest warriors that ever walked on this planet. So we, we, we in our culture have tried to separate that. Our culture tells you, you can't be an authentic believer and succeed in the marketplace. Our culture tells you that your faith doesn't work in everyday life. Are you with me? Our culture tells you that a man can't be a person who seeks the presence of God. Our culture says if you're macho, you're not going to love God. If you're this kind of guy, you're not going to understand those moments. David lived a life. He was a unique man. One of the greatest kings in history. One of the greatest songwriters in history. One of the greatest psalmists in history. A man who was more familiar with the presence of God than any man in his time. And yet he was a warrior general who inspired courage like no general ever had. He was an amazing man. And yet this, this unique man, this David, this, this phenomenally successful King David did not always have an easy journey. David's journey to who he became in many ways is just like the journey you and I are on today. So let's, let's look at this moment. Let's, let's take a look at some key places in David's life where a PowerPoint happened. Are you ready? Let's go to 1 Samuel 16 and verse number 1. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 1. Let's, let's read about eight verses here. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him? As king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and he'll kill me. Now, you know, Saul was the first king of Israel. He wasn't God's choice. He was man's choice. Are you with me? And Saul, although God had anointed him to fulfill the call, had rejected God. And now Saul was insecure, he was jealous, he was away from the presence of God. And Samuel knew that if anything looked like disloyalty to Saul, you would instantly be killed. He said, I'm afraid to do what you're telling me to do. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Man looks at the outer appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Aminadab, okay, and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. I'm sorry, I said about eight verses. I always want to tell you the truth. I'm going to read 13 verses, okay? Verse 9, Jesse then had Shammah passed by Samuel, said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons 
passed before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen any of these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. What does it say here? Look at this. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome feature. Okay? So we're reading about this young man, and he brings him in. Uh, uh, Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, say from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. A PowerPoint. A very common day as it began turned into an uncommon day. Just another day of watching sheep. But something was planned that day by God as a PowerPoint. Just David being faithful, doing what he did. Notice what they said about David. Let's look at this. See if you can relate here. We read here that, and we understand, the prophet came and said, bring your sons in. Well, Jesse had eight sons. He only brought in seven. David was so insignificant in that family, they did not even care to bring him into the big moment. So the seven older brothers walked by, and, and the Lord says to Samuel, not any of these. And he says, are there any more sons? He said, well, just the youngest, just the youngest. Have you ever felt like that in your house? <laughs> Have you ever felt like that in some moment of God? He's just the youngest. He's insignificant. Come on, it's David. And besides, he's out watching sheep. Watching sheep was the lowliest job in the culture of that day. Because a shepherd didn't drive out on his four-wheeler in the morning with his water, you know, his, his Fiji there in the cooler. He didn't just drive out with an umbrella and, and drive around in the four-wheeler and watch the sheep. David slept on the ground with the sheep. Are you with me? He smelled like sheep. David watched them day and night. He was there by himself. He, he was the youngest of seven. Do any of you have older brothers? Can I see your hand? Anybody got older siblings? You, you know what it's like. If, if you had seven older brothers, number eight hardly got anything to eat at the table. You know what the youngest, I mean, you sit down to eat and everybody grabs food and there's the little guy. He just, there's nothing left for him. Everybody overlooks him. Everybody beats him up. You know, he's the little guy. He's out keeping sheep. Watching sheep was probably not only the lowliest job in their culture, it was probably the loneliest job. And I want you to think about that for a moment. Here's this young boy, probably in his later teenage years, maybe mid-teenage years. And he's out watching the sheep. His brothers are in the house with his father. They're living one life. He's living another. He's in the family, but he's not with the family. Anybody relate to some of this? He's isolated. He is underestimated. I want you to think about this. Think about what some of you encountered in your life. He is not only isolated and underestimated, David is unsupervised and vulnerable out there keeping sheep. There was no one to watch over him. There was no one to protect him from the predators. There was no one to keep him safe. David was a latchkey kid. David was someone that had to take care of himself. 
David knew what it was like to be alone. David knew what it was like to be underestimated. David knew what it was like to feel very vulnerable at times and what he was doing. And this was just going to be another day. This was just going to be another day. He woke up that morning to the sound of sheep. He got up that day and found another place to where there was grass to eat and led them to another stream where there was water to drink. But he looked up and someone was walking in the distance that day. He looked up and here came someone and David wondered, wonder who's coming out here today. And he began to call his name. Hey, David, David, come here. Why are they calling me? So just another day. David had no idea what was happening. David didn't understand. It seemed like an ordinary day, but God had something planned on that day. You know, God may have something planned for you on this day. God may see why others see a shepherd. God saw a king sitting out there. See why your family's underestimating you. God is positioning you. Why life may have skipped over you and someone got your promotion and someone got your raise and someone got your place and someone stole your girlfriend and someone, you know, God sees what other people don't see. You have to understand in these moments that God is bringing you to a PowerPoint. He's bringing you to a divine encounter, an assignment. So David comes in. And what happens when David comes in on what began as a very ordinary day and literally shifted the rest of his life? Let's go to verse 12 again. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy, or I can't remember what it says, glowing with health. That sounds good. You know, I kind of like ruddy, don't you? Come on. How many of you guys would rather be called ruddy? Instead of glowing with health. I like the ruddy. The glowing with health are all you guys were at the spa yesterday. I'm just saying. No, no, you know. But the rest of us are just ruddy. Come on. You know what I'm saying. Uh, In fact, ladies, turn to your husband right now and say, you look ruddy today. Come on. Give him some love. I didn't say ugly. I said ruddy. I heard something over here that... So here's this ruddy guy, fine appearance, handsome features. Come on, just help me out. Go ahead and tell him, you look handsome today. Come on, prophesy if you have to. Say it in faith. Yes, thank you, Lord. You know, if you speak it enough, something might happen, ladies. You just, okay. But then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. That's that word. That's that word. That's the PowerPoint. You understand? It wasn't just a meeting. It was an encounter. There was something that changed David. There was something that shifted a nation that day. Did you hear what I said? Something that happened to this young man shifted the future of a nation. And so what is it? It's called the anointing of the Holy Spirit. What, what is the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Well, we read it right here. We read in verse 13. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. I'm thankful to know that I have moments in my life 
where it may seem ordinary, but God will anoint you. What is the anointing? When the power of the Holy Spirit comes on your life. And from that day forward, you move in something you did not have before. You walk in something that you weren't able to walk in. You have something operating in your life that you need. You are anointed. The Holy Spirit does something. The word anoint means to consecrate. Listen to me. I want to help you with something. To consecrate. The word consecrate means you are set apart for a purpose. Do you understand everyone listening to me today? God wants to set you apart for a purpose. While you were, listen, let's connect the dots. While you were in your mother's womb, listen to me, God made a plan for you. God designed a plan for you. The fact is you can live your life and never get in that plan. The fact is you can live outside, underneath, above, beyond the plan of God and never know living your life at the highest level because I never step into that plan until I give my life to Christ. But there is a design, there's a plan, there is something there. Listen to me. When you are anointed, when you are consecrated, when you come into the presence of the Holy Spirit, that plan that God designed for you is now enabled to become a reality. How many want the anointing of the Holy Spirit? I don't want to just have a plan. I want to live the plan. I don't want to just know He wrote about me. I want to be who He wrote about. I don't want to just say who I could be. I want to be who I can be. And so if God made a plan, I need God to put me in that plan. When the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes on you, when the power of God begins to generate in your life, you then have the ability to walk into what God designed you to be. He consecrates you. In that moment of anointing, enablement, empowerment that comes only through His Spirit, you begin the privilege, the joy, the fulfillment, the pleasure of walking in who God designed you to be. Until we step into that place, we're always looking for that place. Do you know what the definition of sin really is on the bottom line? Missing the mark. Do you know what sin is? It's living your life in a substitute for what God really has for you. It's missing who God has. So you're consecrated in that PowerPoint. The anointing comes on your life. You're enabled to be that person God designed you to be. And listen to me, everyone, say everyone. Everyone has that plan available to them. This isn't just for the preachers, for the apostles and the prophets, for the pastors and the evangelists. This is for every born-again believer. Listen to me today. Your assignment, your purpose, you may not be designed to be the king, but maybe you're designed to raise the king. You may not be designed to be Esther the queen, but maybe you were the cousin who took her in when her parents had been killed and you brought her in your home and raised her up. See, the man who raised the king may be as important as the king. The mother who rocked the crib of the Esther that saved the nation may have a greater call on her life than the Esther who went to the throne. Everyone has a purpose. Everyone has a design. Everyone has something written by heaven about their life. And when we step into the purposes and the will of God, we begin to live that life and find that place. Look at Philippians 2.13. I love this. This is what happens when we begin to serve the Lord. Christianity is not a long, hard grind. It's the joy of living in the will of God. Can somebody say amen? Look at this. Look at this. For it is God. It is God. Who works in you. Come on. Aren't you thankful? How many believe God's working in you? For it is God who works in you to will. That means you choose. You want this. 
It's not, oh, I've got to do this. Oh, I better do this. No. When God is working in you, he gives you the will and the ability to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Leave that up for a minute. I want you to read that. It is God working in you. It's the Holy Spirit working in me that changes my will. How many hear what I'm saying? He changes my want to. That's what really needs. When your want to changes, you're a different person. When your want to changes. There was an old, uh, I, I love to read about revivals and revivalists. And, and uh, D.L. Moody who was one of the great revivalists of over many, many years ago in America. One of the last awakenings in this nation. I still believe another one is coming. We're committed to that at Calvary. Our vision is to be part of the next great awakening. Meanwhile, we're going to be having one every day right here. Amen. So D.L. Moody, this was back in the day when, my Lord, what people thought wasn't good. Uh, today, the church then would fall over at the, what goes on today. But, so this lady said, Dr. Moody, I, I, I feel God drawing me. I want to come. I want to I come to the altar. I want to give my life to Christ. But she said, I, 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 just, I just love to dance. I love to go. They used to call them the dance halls. Anybody ever heard of that wicked place, the dance hall? And she said, I just love to dance. And so I, if, I, if I get saved, I won't be able to dance. He said, he said, young lady, if you'll get saved, you can dance all you want to. She didn't understand what he meant, but he knew what he was saying. Now, don't let me rock your world about right now. I'm talking about right then, okay? So, so she comes a couple of nights later to this revival meeting. She gives her life to the Lord. Well, about a month later, she sees Dr. Moody. She says, Dr. Moody, you tricked me. You tricked me. You knew if I gave my life to the Lord, he was going to change me. And I didn't want to go back to that place more. We, we might call it the dance hall then is kind of the club today. How many know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you want to dance, you can dance here. The Bible says we can dance before the Lord and worship. You know, okay. So, so, but there's some places. How many understand what I'm saying? You know, you're not going to find Mr. Wright going to club wrong. Can I say that again? You're not going to find Mr. Wright going to club wrong. Right. So the point is this. When God begins to work in your life, he changes your want to. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. He begins to change your want to. He puts a new nature in you. The Holy Spirit begins to do something different. And he begins to change. He gives, It is God working. Say, God is working. It's not me trying harder. It's God working. I'm surrendering. He's working. Are you with me? We're trusting. He's working. God gives you the will to what? Act in order to fulfill his purpose. So David comes before the Lord. Just a common day. But there was an anointing. Consecrated. The power to will and act. To see God's purpose begin to happen in his life. It's amazing to see what God did. But maybe some of you need to learn a little lesson. I want to show you this, how this PowerPoint set up another one. But maybe to get to this point in your life, I want to back up, look verse 1 and 2. Let's don't skip this. Because see, Samuel the prophet had to learn something that day. If that PowerPoint was going to happen in the life of David, Samuel had to learn something. See, Samuel had anointed Saul. He had been God's hand on Saul's life. But Saul had turned his back on God. Saul had failed failed the opportunity in his life. Saul had, had lived such a lifestyle that the Bible says the Spirit of God had departed from him. Could not endorse him, co-sign him, enable him because he was running from God. And so God says, I'm not out of options. Listen to me. I'm not out of options here. 
But he had to say to Samuel, the prophet, watch this, some pretty strong word here. He says to, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Can I tell you something? If you're going to be part of your purpose in your life, God's purpose, you're going to have to let go of some yesterdays in your life. Can I, can I help you? Some people, I'm not talking about mourning a sweet, dear loved one that's passed away. I'm talking about mourning over a situation. Living under the grief of something that no longer is. Can I tell you, yesterday's not coming back. Yesterday's not coming back. Yesterday's not coming back. Can I help you with something? There's some people who left you and they're not coming back. There's some people who left you and they're not coming back. There's some people who left you and by now you ought to realize that wasn't a bad thing. It may have been a good thing. He said, how long are you going to mourn for what God rejected? How long are you going to waste your life holding on to something God's walked off from? How long am I going to hold on to what God rejected? When am I going to take hold of what God is doing in my life right now? There are going to be moments where we have to get up. Come on. Something was hard. It wasn't easy. It knocked our props out from underneath us. But I'm here to tell you today the purpose of God is still available in your life. And sometimes you've got to get up and stop mourning and stop worrying about what they did, what they said, what you lost. Listen, God can restore to you seven times everything the devil ever took from you. God can give you something better than you ever had before. God can make everything you don't understand, understand. God can bring people in your life that the other people were using up their space. God can give you an entire new way to function. Sometimes someone, and today it's me, I guess, needs to say, when are you going to stop mourning? But it's one thing to stop mourning. It's another thing. What do you do? Watch this. He says, how long are you going to mourn? He says, I want you to fill your horn with oil. He said, you've lost the anointing, Samuel. You're a prophet, but you've lost the joy of the Lord. You've lost the presence of God. Can I tell you something today? It's time for the church in America to throw off the martyr mentality and the victim mentality and come back in the presence of God and say, God, fill me up one more time. Fill me with your spirit one more time. God, fill my marriage with the Holy Spirit one more time. God, come in this home. And fill us up again. Look at the terminology. I love this. He says, be on your way. I'm sending you. Can I tell you something? It's time for some people to get up and get on your way. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need to get going. We can't hold on to what's gone. God has something better for us. If you're going to walk this purpose out in your life, you're just going to have to let go of some of those things. The past will always fight your purpose. How many heard? What I just said. Your past will always fight your purpose. So everything's going good. David is anointed. He's consecrated. He's beginning to walk in what he was designed to do and be. The power of the Holy Spirit was with him. So what does that look like? Was everything perfect from that day on? Well, let's just turn over a chapter. Let's go to chapter 17. There's one more power encounter. I want you to see a PowerPoint. Watch this. Watch this. 1 Samuel 17. Let's go to verse number 4. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. Come on. That's true. That's true. They found some skeletal remains of some of these guys. 
over nine feet tall. Can you imagine his NBA contract? Come on. He could dunk it flat-footed. I mean, can you see that? Sorry, let's go on. He had a bronze helmet on his head, wore a coat of scale armor, a bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That's 125 pounds, his armor. Weighed 125 pounds. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. Just the point of the spear weighed 15 pounds. His shield bearer ran ahead of him. All right? So this, this is this man. This is the Goliath. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man. And have him come down to me. So Saul says, let's do this mano a mano. I mean, Goliath. He says, let's do this mano a mano. We don't everybody else have to fight. I'm ready. You send somebody, we'll fight. Winner takes all. For 40 days, he did that. Well, on this day, just another day, isn't it amazing that sometimes even after you're anointed, everybody listening to me? Still got to watch some sheep. <laughs> See, some people want to be anointed so they don't have to watch the sheep anymore. <laughs> He would still have to watch the sheep. How many are still with me? Some of you, some of you have been anointed. You, nobody's recognized you yet. It's okay. Your anointing is going to make a way for you. Come on, how many are listening to me? Your gift's going to open the door. Some of you mad at everybody because you hadn't... You, you know, you say, yeah, I, I know you're anointed, but you're upset because you're still watching sheep. Just watch the sheep. Just watch the sheep. Because I'm going to show you why you're doing that right now, okay? There's a reason. There's a reason. Yeah, so even though he was anointed, he's still watching sheep. <laughs> so his dad says, David, come here. Your oldest three brothers are in the army. Here's some food. Go give them some food. Go give some to their commander. Bring me a report back. Tell me what's going on. So here's David. He comes walking into camp just at the moment when Goliath comes out and shouts his defiance. Send a man. I defy the armies of Saul. And David looks around. He's perplexed. Nobody want to fight this guy? Nobody, nobody wants to do this? So David goes, I got a question. What do I get if I kill him? Come on. It's a bad dude. Come on. It's a bad man. I mean, he's like, he's like, uh, he's Gen Z. You understand? He's not X. He's not a millennial. He's Z. He, he's, he's a teenager. And so he says, see, and I love that. I'm tired of everybody babying the millennials and the Gen X. In the Gen Z. Listen to me. I'm not going to underestimate you guys. You're listening to me right now? I'm not going to underestimate you. I believe there's a call on your life. I believe in your mother's womb. God wrote a plan for you. I'm not going to treat you like a baby. I'm not going to, I'm not going to act like you can't be who God called you to be. I'm not going to tell you I got the latte, pate, and everything to get you to serve God. I believe in the call on your life. I believe you're men and women of God. I believe you're looking for somebody to believe in you and give you a chance. I believe you're neighbor. I don't believe you're going to be living in your mama's basement when you're 40. I don't believe that you're never going to get married till you're 50. I don't believe that you're afraid of life. I don't believe you don't know how to live. I don't believe you don't have courage. I believe in you. I believe you're going to rise up and serve God. I believe you're going to serve a generation. I believe the calls on your life. I believe you're anointed. I challenge you to walk and believe that I'll walk with you. I'll believe with you. We'll do it together in this place. Now, if you want somebody to patty cake you, enable you, it's the wrong place. But somebody believe in you and think you're a man or a woman of God, this is where you belong. That was just for free. So David walks up and he says, what do I get if I kill this guy? He said, well, you don't have to pay taxes anymore. That's worth a fight. 
That's worth a fight. You don't pay taxes anymore. They said, you get to marry the king's daughter. He says, let's bring it on. So, you know what happens? Let's, let's, let's drop down. Let's, let's look at uh, verse 28, chapter 17. There's always these guys. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him. Look at this. <laughs> Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came only to just watch the battle. That's nasty. His brother, his oldest brother, insulted him in front of everyone. Said, you're conceited. You're a cocky little dude. You got a scrawny little job. Watching a few little sheep. You need to get out of here and leave this to the men. But someone else had overheard the conversation. Now they've been waiting 40 days. Nobody will fight Goliath. They, somebody runs into the king and says, Saul, I found a guy who'll fight the giant. And Saul says, well, bring him in. Saul's like, finally, here comes David. Mr. Ruddy, you know, comes strolling in. No armor. No spear, no shield. And he says, I got this. And Saul said, he's been fighting from his youth. He's nine feet tall. You hadn't broken five, six. What are you going to do? He said, well, here's my thoughts. I've been watching my father's sheep. That was the second eye roll of the day. He says, and a lion came and I killed the lion. I said, what? Then a bear came and I killed the bear. I would think if God helped me kill the lion and the bear, God helped me kill this guy. He says, get my armor. <laughs> Suit him up. So David puts it on Saul's armor. Remember, Saul was head and shoulders taller than everybody else too. So David clangs around. See, some listen to me, I'm going to help you. Some of you are anointed, but you're trying to wear someone else's armor. <laughs> you're going to have to kill your own giant. See, son, see, some of you are anointed and, and you're waiting for T.D. Jakes to retire. You, you were shocked they didn't call you when Billy Graham went to heaven. Come on, don't shout me down. And, 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 and the reason you hadn't been asked to preach because you looked crazy walking around in all that other armor they got on. Come on, how many with me? See, see, and what you need to do is stop trying to fight somebody else's battle, wear somebody else's armor, and go get that giant that's right there in front of you. See, okay, so, so, so watch this. So what has happened here? See, it was another PowerPoint. It was an ordinary day. David's dad said, go check on your brothers. Just another day. But God saw something coming. Are you with me? God sees these moments. So, so let me help you real quickly. Let's, let's, let's put this together. What happens in those moments? What keeps us from those moments? See, Goliath was the giant. The ultimate intimidation, please listen to me, standing between you and your purpose is the giant. There's a giant. But you know what, what Goliath really is? He's intimidation. Do you know the devil doesn't really want to uh, 
fight with you because he's afraid of the weapons of God that are mighty through the pulling down of stronghold. Do you know that his greatest use is always to intimidate us before the battle? He just wants to strut. Are you with me? He just wants to put the armor on. He just wants to shout real loud. But he's hoping nobody will say, what do I get if I kill him? He's hoping nobody says, I've heard enough of this. He hopes that what's been intimidating you because I want you to see the Bible says, let me give you the verse in verse 23. It says he was shouting his usual defiance. Do you know the devil will intimidate you with the same lie every day of your life until one day you say, what do I get when I kill that? What am I going to get when that's out of my life? The devil doesn't have to invent anything new. He knows what gets you every day. And he shouts the intimidation in your face, hoping that you will never rise up and say, I've had enough of this. It may be rejection. It may be intimidation. It may be depression. It may be dysfunction. It may be abuse. It may be confusion. It may be the lie of the devil of your family, of your friends, of vows that are broken, of insecurity in your life. And every day when you're almost ready to step into your purpose, he shouts in your ear, who do you think you are? If people knew what you had done, you'll never get there. Do you understand? And so every day he walks out in your face and shouts the same thing every day until one day you say, wait a minute. I've been anointed. I've been consecrated. I've been chosen by God. I'm not going to run anymore. The worst thing that ever happened to the devil is when you stop running from the devil. Usual defiance. For most of us, tell the truth. He doesn't have to create something new every day. He just does the same thing. The same thing. Listen to me. You don't have a hundred battles you have to win. You have one or two that you can win. That'll change the rest of your life. One or two. I challenge you. Don't accept it. See, Eliab resented David because Eliab had given up. I find in life the people who've given up and accepted defeat resent the people who keep fighting the giants. You hear what I'm saying? Winners talk about winning and losers talk about winners. I want to say it again. Winners talk about winning, but losers talk about the winners. See, Eliab had accepted the fact, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to kill that giant. And when his brother came in and says, I can do it. See, there's, there's always going to be that, that moment in your life. But I have to say this. Look at verse 39. Come on, let's, let's, let's bring this to this finality. Verse 39. David says, David fastened on his sword over the tunic, tried walking around because he was not used to them. Look at this statement. I cannot go on these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. I'm not used to them. What are you used to? What have you proven in your life? What do you know works for you serving God? See, when the giant comes, when your PowerPoint's there, when the moment of promotion has walked right up in your face, you have to know already what works for you. See, if I've never prayed, I'm not going to know how to pray when the giant knocks on my door. If I've never trusted the word of God, what am I going to do? When my family members and I see you. If I've never known that God is who he says he is. And he will do what he said he would do. What am I going to do when my spouse walks in and says, I'm leaving. What am I going to do 
when I get the bad report? What am I going to do when I get the pink slip at work? What am I going to do when life doesn't go the way I want it to? There better be some things I'm used to. There better be some scriptures I have memorized. There better be some prayers I have prayed. There better be some paths I have walked in. You might just need to look down at a scar or two and say, I remember that battle. (laughs) The devil thought he would kill me, but here's the scar and I'm alive and well on the other side of it. See, the wound that kills you never grows a scar. Your body's dead and the scar never developed. But the fact I have a scar means I'm still alive. The fact I have a scar means it didn't kill me. And so maybe you need to go back to your testimony and say, God, if you did it then, you'll do it now. Is anybody listening to me right now? See, what you need to understand, your resilience is demoralizing the devil today. How many heard what I just said? See, the devil thought you would have quit by now. The devil thought you would have put the white flag up by now. And you may be tired and you may be weary and you may have a scar. But you know what? You've learned some things along the way. Anybody learn some things? Anybody got a testimony? Anybody say, my God is faithful? See, you, and let's, let's, let me, let me conclude with this. You may have wondered why. See, this is the, this is the part between the PowerPoints. See, David may have wondered why. You may have wondered why. Why the rejection? Why the isolation? Why was I overlooked? Why was I underestimated? Why was I left in a vulnerable position? I'll tell you why David walked through that. Because there was a Saul coming at him. A king who would reject him and and accuse him and try to kill him. But see, David had already walked through some things. He says, my family rejected me. My brother insulted me. They overlooked me. They left me in a vulnerable place watching sheep. But God brought me through. And if Saul thinks I'm going to quit because he rejects me, it's too late. Do you know why you went through that? Because somebody's going to try to do it to you again. And this time it's not going to work because God's preparing you for something better. See, David may have said, why do I keep writing these songs? Why do I keep singing my songs? Why when I'm out here alone under the stars watching sheep by myself, do I keep worshiping? Do I keep praising? Do I keep talking about the goodness of God? Why when I start writing this song, do I say, oh my God, where are you? But before I get to the end of it, I say, yet I will praise you because you were faithful. Because he knew a day was coming when he was running from Saul and he was in the city of Ziklag and the raiders would come in and steal his army and his last group of men said they were going to kill him but the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord David had learned by himself if nobody believes in me God believes in me if I can't worship him in the crisis when am I going to worship him that's what he had learned and why did he kill the lion and why did he kill the bear so you could ask why did I have to kill a lion Why did I have to face a bear? Because there was a giant coming in your future. And if you hadn't faced the bear and you hadn't faced the lion, you'd run away from the giant. So let me tell you something today. That bear you're wrestling with right now, he's not your enemy. He's the doorway to the purpose of God in your life. That lion that's trying to steal your family, that's not your enemy. That's your opportunity to get ready for a PowerPoint. That's coming over here in your life. I want you to stand with me. And I want the worship team to come with you. Come on, listen, listen. I'm asking you to stand just to buy two more minutes. I'm not through yet, okay? Come on, stand. See, here's what you've got to understand. 
You know the account. You know that David killed Goliath with his slingshot. And you know that part. But I wanted to fill in the gaps and let you see how he got there. Here's what I want you to say. When your PowerPoint comes, are you listening to me? When that moment God is prepared to bless you, strengthen you, elevate you, promote you in your purpose. When that moment comes, if you've been walking with God, understanding the why, trusting Him, you don't have to go run and borrow someone else's weapon. Your weapon's right there in your hand. You're ready. Come on, I want you to say, I'm ready. You're ready. You've been prepared. I'm ready. I'm ready. And you know what happens? That anointing that came on David, that enabled him to go face that giant and kill him. The Bible says, remember, for 40 days, the armies of Israel ran from Goliath every day. But when David's anointing killed the giant, it encouraged everybody around him. His anointing set captives free. His anointing released everyone to rise up in courage. I want to tell you something. Your anointing, your PowerPoint, your faithful place is going to release your family to see God in a way they've never seen Him before. How you stand in that moment is going to testify to that family. Your anointing is going to free people. And let me tell you, it's okay. We, we, we're a little different in, in, in this school of the PowerPoint. It's all right. Come on and say, I'm different and I'm okay with it. Good. See, we're, we're, we're in a school <laughs> that's the school of the Spirit. It's a school of the Spirit. And see, you're about to graduate to another level. And our diploma looks a little different. See, when we hold up our diploma, I've got some diplomas. You have some diplomas. They look nice. It's a, you know, piece of paper. It, it it's, you know, has your name, what you've done, what your degree is, and how those things happen. You hold that up. Now, I think yellow legal pads are anointed to the Holy Spirit. Everybody thinks that. This one's blank. Mine have notes on it, right? But here's your diploma. You hold it up. You take your picture with it. No, we're different. We're okay with it, right? We just said that. In this school of the Spirit, David's diploma was Saul's head. I mean, Goliath's head. I mean, it's kind of a weird diploma. But it's the head of your giant. He said, the Bible says he took it, took it with him. <laughs> Can you imagine David's mom that day? Hey, mom, look. I know your kids have done some weird things, but they haven't done that. Hey, mom, look. It's the head of my enemy. It's my giant. I want to tell you something today. That giant that's been intimidating you, you're about to put his head on your trophy case. You're about to graduate to a new level. You're about to have a diploma you can't get anywhere but the school of the Holy Spirit. There's a PowerPoint in your future. There's an encounter that's going to release you to go into a new place with God. And I believe we're ready for it. I believe you're ready for it. How did we get there? Why, God? Why did I walk through this? Because I'm going to use it over here. Why did this happen to me? I'm going to use it over here. Why did I walk through this? Because you're going to be ready over here. You're not going to give up. Your name's on a breakthrough. Your name's on a PowerPoint. There's an anointing that's coming on your life. How many would say today, Pastor, I want that anointing. I want that. Anybody would? I want that anointing. I want to be ready for my day. I want to be consecrated, fulfill the purpose God put on my life. You have a purpose. You have an anointing. You're going to love somebody. If you didn't love them, they'd never see God. You're going to speak a word into someone's life. If you didn't speak it, they'd never know how much God loves them. You're going to rise up and represent Him in the marketplace. You're going to stand for Him in that business. These young men and women are going to stand for the Lord in that school this year. Our teachers are going to rise up. Our administrators are going to be bold and courageous. We're not asking them to break any laws. We're just saying, turn the light on. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, 
Please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.